You have like one pair in some glass case somewhere. <laughs> no, because I know I would. Trust, I would. I actually, well, I've, I've got two pairs that I haven't opened yet. And then one of them is actually for that. Like just yeah. because for me, that was such a big landmark because I'm put like I put Sierra Leone on the map. If you go yeah. on the Nike website now, there's a big banner of one of the most beautiful beach in in Sierra Leone on Nike, and that's because it's linked to that shoe. So that's definitely that. So I'm definitely gonna have have that framed because it's 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 a big milestone. Yeah. No, it's a big, it's a big, it's a big deal. People play sports and don't have their own shoes, and you mm-hmm. just pulled that off. So it's, it's crazy. Uh-huh. It's crazy. <laughs> That's freaking insane. When people show you who they are, believe them. Yes. Listeners, welcome to Bad Energy, the show where Misery Last Company. Joining me today is our guest Abuila a British Sierra Leonean creator of poetic films. Glad to have you on, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm excited. And I can see you've done your homework because you are describing me in ways that I wouldn't even describe myself. But it's <laughs> I it's mean, everything, though. It is everything. So No, but you, you did. I mean, you did make everything easy because you did the stuff. <laughs> anyway, so it's like <laughs> you just have to point out what the man did. Yeah, true, true, true. And that's it. So I know I kind of tease what you do with the poetic films, but can you speak a bit more to that? So my main field really is filmmaking. I have a passion for filmmaking and I have a passion for Sierra Leone. Mm. And for the past three years, I was focused a lot more on the Sierra Leone aspect, especially being in the diaspora and Sierra Leone being a small nation. Yeah. We're not really that seen. We're not really that visible. So I've been just putting things in place to make us more visible. And now that we're gaining traction, I'm heading back to my roots in film. Okay. And again, everything I do, I want it to be revolved around Sierra Leone. So I'm currently writing series and films that are all based in Sierra Leone and the Sierra Leonean diaspora and that will all link together and I'm working on that with a bunch of Sierra Leonean you know um, fellow filmmakers home based okay. and in the diaspora as well that's really dope so for you I know you said filmmaking is your passion but poetry also seems to be a passion for you as well oh yes I think being a writer I feel like everyone is a poet but just that some people don't embrace it or <laughs> some people don't because Think of it, even the art of speaking is, is poetry because most times when you speak or when you're trying to speak to someone, you try to speak in a certain way so that they get your message using the least amount of words. And I feel like that's what poetry is. It's just like giving a message that you have to people. But I think the where professionals and I guess regular people like have a difference is that like professional poets, we are putting our opinions out there because we feel the world deserves these opinions. Whilst regular people, you know, yeah, I think in general, people are scared to put their opinion out there because obviously when you do that, you get judged. And I feel like compared to when I first started performing poetry to how I am mm-hmm. now, I'm such a different person. Because when I first started, I was so scared in a room full of 10 people. <laughs> whilst the last time I performed it was in a place full of over 500 people and I didn't shake once Damn. So yeah, poetry I feel like it's just one of those things because I studied creative writing as well so it's just like okay. I'm always writing even when I write films even ideas that come in my mind it's, it's always poetry and I feel like sometimes it's a quicker release as opposed to film 
uh, obviously can take anywhere between months to years and some even decades. That's wild because to me, I find poetry a bit intimidating because my thought process is you have finite amount of words and you have to be as concise as possible, clearly express yourself mm. and then you have to pack it with the emotions you want the audience listening to also you know take away from the poem mm, mm. and i'm like how the hell do you go about doing all this <laughs> I in <think> seven <laughs> in seven sentences <laughs> trust me yeah i feel like it's like with everything in life it is it is easy once you know how it's done or i think it's it's only hard because i guess you haven't taken that step yet but yeah. i feel like the first two three times you do that that's when it's the hardest after that it's just pretty much becomes like building Um, some muscle memory yeah i think the thing i like about poetry the most is that poets are just telling their stories there's times when i've told stories of me being Sierra Leonean, and Mm -hmm. the most random person maybe a scottish guy might come and be like you know what i relate to that like i'm scottish in in england and I feel exactly how you feel as a Sierra Leonean in England. Yeah. So it's but like that's the emotion part. Like there are shared much. experiences that poems yes. are able to capture and then are universal. Yeah. That part is wild. It's mind blowing to me. Trust <laughs> me. It's like people that write. It's like some people just write my life because everything they're writing, I can just see myself going through it or it's something that I've been through. All right. So for you, do you make a distinction of which came first? Was it the poetry, the poem writing or the desire for filmmaking? That's a tough question, you know, but I think film came first. So I studied creative writing and screenwriting was my favorite um, model in the, all okay. of that cause. And since then, I just knew I wanted to go into film. In fact, I think probably since school, because I, I must have made like school projects to do with mm-hmm. film back yeah, then. Yeah. That was just when I knew. But I guess back then I was doing the acting side of things. It was only... After uni, that's when I, I decided, like, you know what, I want to be behind the camera, be the people that actually make it. So film came first, but I feel like my poetry journey has amplified my film spectrum so much because obviously poems are very short. And when I was doing poetry, I realized, oh, I'm doing poetry and I know how to make films. Why don't I link those two together? And through that, I got to make amazing poetry films for some of the most talented UK artists. I don't want to put you on the spot and ask which of your films is your favorite. So I'll just say like right now, right now, right now, as we are talking, yeah. which one do you look back fondly of and about and like, oh, I really like being, either being on set or the message. Do you know Which one is speaking to you I right now? A, yeah. I have, I, okay, so I guess I'm at that stage where my last project is always going to be my favorite because I'm at mm. a stage where I don't release something unless I feel it is better than everything else I've done. So okay, my last okay. project, which is Timestamp by Dami Lola, is mm-hmm. literally one of my, my favorite. It's my favorite project. But the project that is very close to my heart, it was like the first project I did. And I, I can imagine. After, and then when, when I watched it, I was like, damn, I am actually a filmmaker, you know? Like that was <laughs> when the imposter syndrome <laughs> went away that was a poetry film i did for safer london and it's called young london so it's about just growing up being a young person in london and it was that film i did and then i was like you know what i need to pat myself in the back (laughs) i did this i did this that, (laughs) that film always like it's got a very special place in my heart 
So when you are filming, you are filming, you are merging poems and you are filming, right? Mm -hmm. What do you prioritize in the movement? Is it going to be the scene should be capturing the essence of the words or is it going to be the movement of the person should be matching the words? I don't know if my question makes sense. I, 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 it makes complete sense, but it is so amazing because when I do film poems, yeah, I write out a whole script like a film. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like the film should complement the whole essence of the poem. It doesn't have to be line for line, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's yeah. like if a poem is about, let's say, loss, I might have a scene there in a graveyard. There might not be anything in the poem about graveyard. So it's just mm -hmm. like, I feel like the film have to capture the whole essence. So it doesn't have to be word for word. It's just about making sure the film match the essence of the of the poem. Does that make sense? Okay. So, yeah. So the way, how what I'm hearing you say is the film is more or less a complement to the piece. Yes. Yes. It expands, and it gives it more range. Literally, and, and I think that makes it better because let's say if you are if you are watching a, a film about a poem and somebody's talking about a red bus and you see a red bus, that's yeah. just tautological in my mind because it's you not said it you and you are seeing it. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. so let's say if somebody was talking about a red bus, then I'm thinking about okay, what's can people then attribute, you know, to Red Boss or that type of thing there? Like, yeah. what's that feeling? Like, what's... Pretty yeah, much, yeah. I, I see. Then you try to replicate that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hi, everyone. This is Maya from the Free Your Mind podcast. Join me and Como every other Wednesday as we share our unfiltered opinions on the latest trending news, let loose on controversial topics, and have guests on to tell it like it is. Come make we free one of minds. Search and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast player or directly listen to all our episodes on listen to gcr.com. Humans are social creatures that rely on cooperation to survive and thrive, and we do that by seeking and building relationships with others. It is key to success in our careers, social, and personal life. On Bad Energy, we are all about sharing and discussing incidents where we just had to cut someone off for our own good. Listen and learn from us, and if you have similar experiences, we would love to hear them. Use the hashtag GCRBadEnergy on any social media platform. All right, Abuila, hmm. I have a question for you. Yeah. On a scale of 1 to 10, where 1 is having a full crew, mm -hmm. and 10 is having to direct, focus pool, and run lighting by yourself on a film set, <laughs> how easy would you say it is for people to get to know you? I don't. Mm. <laughs> what? But the scale is a bit. It's a bit opposite, Insane. right? Yeah. So one is easy and ten is okay, like so, so very one difficult. Okay. So one is the easiest. One is the easiest. I think maybe somewhere between three to five. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, so you're maybe pretty... four to five. Yeah. I feel I'm really open. Okay. That's a okay. strength and a weakness, I guess. <laughs> I can I can see that being. In my mind, because I think I'm definitely a bit higher on that mm -hmm. scale than you are. Mm. And I think my personal opinion, though, is it helps filter people who are trying to get to know you. Because sure. there's some effort in trying to build a relationship. So by the time it's solidified, there's something invested. True. But you see, with me, I've got a two-strike rule. <laughs> Honestly. So I, 
I give people the benefit of the doubt until they disappoint me twice. Okay. Because okay. this might be, it might, it's, it's so strange and a lot of people might curse me for this, but I loved reading The Alchemist and they have that rule that <laughs> it, just because something happened once does not mean that it will happen again. But if mm-hmm. it happens again, it's very likely that it's then going to keep happening over and over yeah, and over. Yeah, it becomes a pattern. So that's yeah. why literally if something happens twice that I'm not very happy about, that's it. Okay. You have a bit of an open door policy, Pretty but much. once you are in, <laughs> you have a very strict very, policy. Very, yeah, so it's like, just okay. don't disappoint me. Like, you, you can get me angry, you can get me annoyed, but just don't disappoint me. <laughs> okay no 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 that's fair i think that's a good counter for being open and letting people you know have access to you true true because you're able to balance it people are coming in of course but then you're also you know monitoring Mm -hmm. and balancing that relationship there's a part of the show where i ask you to share an incident where you had to cut someone off Mm -hmm. (laughs) because they were just bad vibes just like (laughs) bad energy so like I say, right, I give people two two chances, right? Okay, yeah. And I wouldn't even... Okay, I guess it is cut enough because if I'm not giving you the same positive energy as I did before, then yeah. So it's not mm-hmm. that I'm giving them bad energy. It's just like my good vibes is gone. You're it's keeping gone. it. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm yeah. keeping it. So it was... I think it was a couple of years back. So I do an event um, every year, Sierra Leone Art and Culture Festival. Okay, and dope somebody asked to be part of the event and because we're friends and i was like cool you can be part of the event but we charge people to be part of the event and i was like yeah. cool in exchange for that charge if you can provide some stationaries for me which were linked to that event by the way mm-hmm. you know yeah you can be a part of that so they said okay you know i'll provide that stationery so this was, let's say, in the summertime. The event happened in autumn time. Now, summertime, a month and two went by. I'm trying to get the stationery from them. They, they, had, they are like, oh, I haven't got it yet. Even though at one point they said, oh, I've gotten it already. <laughs> so that was, yeah. <laughs> so that was the first strike. And why it was even an issue was because I was developing something that was linked to the event, which I needed yeah. those stationaries for. So yeah. obviously that was first strike. It was key. Yeah. yeah. And then coming to the event as well now, I asked um, the same person to bring something which was very vital for me as part of the event. And again... Okay, so that means you got the stationery yourself then? Well, yes. So okay. I got the stationery myself, although later on, after everything, like after the whole situation, once I started, once I took my energy, they then gave me the stationery, but by that point... It was too late. That's after the fact. Yeah. yeah. So obviously I needed the stationery. So I then sorted those myself. And then come the event as well. I um, asked them to bring something for to the event, which again, they agreed to. They didn't have to. But then on the day of the event again, they somehow forgot to bring, to, <laughs> to bring the event. But they brought the things that they were... They uh, needed. Yeah, the things that they were um, <laughs> showcasing at the event and selling. So, <laughs> so for me, what that took, what I thought was like, wow, it's like priorities or just like... You prioritize your own stuff, your yes, shit, yes. but not yours. So for that. me, that was the second strike. And now the, the worst part is I don't believe this 
is a bad person per se, but I just feel like we give our energy to people based on how much we respect them. And I feel like mm. when that happened, I felt like I was not being respected. So I had to remove myself from that. And one thing I, I've learned as well, becoming more of an adult now, I, <laughs> yeah, I grew up a lot in the past two years is that you need to set boundaries to safeguard your peace, if that makes yeah. sense. So when those two incidents happened, I was really, really disappointed. But obviously, in the event, I'm not going to say anything because, again, there's no point crying over spilled milk. So I was just like, cool, let the events go on. And this thing that was very valuable for me at this event wasn't at the event. I was like, cool. And once that happened, I was like, you know what? This has happened twice in such a short space of time as well. I was like, yeah, then I don't, I no longer have confidence in this person. So because of that, I was just like, I mean, we can still be cordial. We can still be amicable, but just when it comes to having good vibes, I, it's just, if I can't trust someone, then it's, it's really not worth, not worth it. Does that make sense? No, it makes, it makes, it makes perfect sense. And I definitely understand what you mean about guarding your peace because once you become an adult, it becomes this very rare thing where mm. you're trying to find pockets where, you know, you're calm, you're happy, it's all positive mm. vibes because there's always something that's creeping up, right? It's either work, peace. some problem, <laughs> something to take care of. So if you can remove yourself from a situation or from someone <laughs> who mm. is constantly causing that, you should definitely do that. Run, yeah. run, <laughs> run. Peace is is the most valuable currency. I'll I'll tell anyone if it if it costs you your peace, then it costs you too much. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I mean, especially for creators as well, you're in the right headspace. Mm, you can also do things and you know be more more with yourself. So this person, do you? I know you mentioned you kind of still in touch with them. Have they apologized? Like, have they admitted um, where they in, went wrong? In fairness, yes. So they apologize. Um, yeah, they've apologized, but I guess at the at the time of of the apology, like, what's the word? It was too late, or I wouldn't even it. say it was. Too, yeah, I wasn't over the situation, if that makes sense. Okay, and I felt like maybe I'd been actually no, I wasn't harsh, but just I wasn't over the situation because there's things I've done as well where people have come to me later. They're like, oh, I really did not try hard enough. In your apology so I, so I feel like maybe that that might be the case maybe i i was hurt so obviously i shut down in fairness as well i did not communicate that i was hurt so i guess this was this happened a couple of years ago so i did mm-hmm. not know about the strength of communicating then so if this yeah. was to happen now i would definitely communicate it a lot better to the person and I'll be like, you know, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing, if that makes sense. Yeah, these are the reasons for my actions. Yeah. yeah, but in fairness, they did apologize. But again, as I say, it's just that two-strike rule is, is, is good for your peace. I get that. I get that. I get that. So has, over the years, like, have you built up, I, I don't want to call it like a red flag system, but... Are there things that when people do or say that kind of just hints you at okay this person might be an early violator <coughs> of my two strike rule mm. like let's say you meet someone new are there things they would say or do that would just have you going yeah this person's gonna he's gonna break <laughs> that two strike soon i 
I don't think so, you know, because again, mm. I am I am honestly so open to people because generally, I I guess I have faith I have good faith in in people, which mm-hmm. is probably not a good thing. I know most people will tell you that yeah, don't trust people because people are people. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I just I have good faith in people, so I never really I never make friends with anyone expecting them to fail that two strike rule i understand yeah and with no bad intention you get yeah, the benefit of the doubts yeah literally and in fairness as well i feel like this is the only time since i've established that that incident was the only time when i felt like that had happened okay. so as you see again just being open and allowing people to be people yeah are there any any approaches i know you say you are very open are there any approaches you take when starting engaging a new relationship or with someone or you just open door whatever happens happens mm, i guess this is the thing so currently i'm in a stage where so i'm into filmmaking so i'm connecting yes. with a lot of filmmakers mm-hmm. and especially filmmakers that are home based in sierra leone so a lot of them when i'm trying to build connection i guess maybe people have that perception that oh he's overseas he's got money which to become like a cash cow (laughs) yeah no which is not the case so for me it's just that in whatever relationships i'm building i just make my intentions clear like for example i had a phone call with someone recently they have a film idea that they're working on and from the onset i was just like this is really amazing idea and this is how i can help you know i can help with making it have a wider reach because obviously being here having a a bigger network i can i can provide you with that but in terms of financial assistance yeah yeah. i am not the best person for that and i'm not gonna lie to you and pretend that i can help you there i can't so you just i guess basically just like depending on the type of relationship i have with people is just setting those those boundaries straight away okay. that this is what i can offer you and this is what i cannot offer you if that makes sense no yeah perfect sense so it's all about you mentioned you've made it a point to be more effective with your communication and Pre- i think what you're that. saying right now is setting clear expectations that you know this, what you yeah. just you literally just just put it down that way exactly because again it's like whatever i go into i want people to know what i am coming with and yeah now as well i expect people to have that same that same clarity with me i feel like an early rejection is uh, is a lot better than a maybe that you know is a clear no and i think it's a yes does that make sense no 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 i get it because you also don't want cross wires like mm-hmm. you and i having a conversation but i'm thinking and wanting something else mm-hmm. and you are thinking something else and then ah, now shit. i'm disappointed in you but ah, i shit. probably have no right to because you never <laughs> like, <laughs> you know shit, that's, that's how shit. that's how things get messy and then suddenly a uh, promising projects falls apart because i feel hurt disappointed and Very you just true. understand where i'm coming from that's it no, man, no. that's it uh, i get it I get it. I get it. I totally get it. And do you feel in the creative space, the let me try frame this properly. So in dealing with creatives, everyone is coming in with their ideas, their passions, and sometimes it becomes challenging. I don't say difficult. It becomes challenging to clearly communicate what you want. Mm. 
in terms of partnerships because you can let the idea the passion for the project gets over you so let's say i do set design i'm communicating with you and then you are talking about this film idea and i love your film idea so much you haven't even asked me but then i could start going home and start drawing up models <laughs> and then <laughs> you know just just ready to shoot next weekend yeah do you feel that that, that miscommunication happens more with fellow creatives compared to other relationships you have like personal um other work or it's not really different it's just it's just people being people some people are passionate some people are level-headed yeah i think I'm trying to think i think it's just um, it's a bit of both i suppose there are partnerships in which again i guess this is where communication comes in so yeah. there are partnerships where people already have so much expectations of you that you haven't given to them yet, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yep. yep. I say, let's say I might tell someone, okay, oh, I make films, I'm this. And then exactly like you say, they'll send me a whole <laughs> thing, be yeah, like, oh yeah, I want to shoot this, treatment. when can I do this? I'm like, <laughs> this is the thing, I say I shoot film, it doesn't mean that I have the capacity to do that any, I'm not a studio. Soon. Yes. <laughs> so that's the thing because especially us being creative, some of us have work that we have lined up. Maybe like let's say for example, I might be chatting to you now and then you have an idea that might take us three or four weeks to actually shoot and develop and you want to work on that right now. But you might not know that in three weeks time, I've got a project lined up that's going to take me two months. So that's that's what mm -hmm. people need to understand as well. I feel like as creative, what we need to do is to be open to the idea that whatever we're trying to do is not going to happen straight away like that. So you can't rush into partnerships, I suppose. Is that making sense? No, it yeah. makes sense. It's just, I also do understand that feeling where you meet someone and suddenly it feels like this is the missing mm, piece no, it's, to it's, it's, this one thing. Trust me. It's intoxicating. Yeah. There is like that. But now imagine... You feel that, but imagine three three other people also feel the same way about this person. You see where the conflict then comes in? <laughs> yep, and that's yeah. where, you know, it becomes exhausting mm. and and all of that. But I think you kind of have the key figured mm. out, the effective communication. Mm. To be honest, in all of this, then everybody knows I'm so glad that I actually got to land that now. I feel like, and, and mm. I guess that has come with experience as well. So it's just like maybe... There are times when I've been in situations where I've failed to communicate things and then I've seen the consequences of it. That is then got to me that, you know what, even if I'm on set and I feel like something is not going right, I need to make sure I communicate that so that it is rectified there and then instead of just mm -hmm. holding on to it and then just, just tell them later once everything is done when we could have stopped. Maybe it might have slowed us down, let's say 10 or 15 minutes. But imagine now I wait for that whole 15 minutes to happen and then I say it, then we have to do that whole 10 or 15 minutes again. Any final words to people? I know we've talked a lot about effective mm. communication. So like that's one thing right there. Anything to people who might be similar to yourself, like who fall on the two to five scale of easily letting people in, what would you tell them i think so the first thing um safeguard your peace you know 
yeah so (laughs) be open to people but if if somebody let you down you know some people might even have a one strike rule but for me i i mean if if it's a very big let down then obviously maybe one strike might might count as three so yeah but i feel like <laughs> that's like yeah, no but i feel like in general just be open to people because again you never know who's gonna be able to open a door for you later if that makes sense like you might open a door for someone today and in three years time they're opening a bigger a bigger door for you but obviously in opening doors for people also safeguard your peace because sometimes you let people in and instead of them trying to work with you they're trying to then push you down so i think that's one thing safeguard your peace and what else also trust the process as in mm-hmm. it is not necessarily a sprint so most people would see an artist that maybe they just know this artist for two years and this artist has gone thing but maybe they didn't know him in the 10 years that he actually spent building up the work to where he gets yeah, so the networks like the little steps yeah and then... so the systems pretty yeah. much so that's why i would say trust in the process if there's anyone you admire look at their journey backwards i seen look at where they are now and look at where they started like for example let's say someone like isari she does um mm-hmm. insecure so most people might only know her for for that insecure which means they probably know her for what maybe three four years whilst but before many that, people would awkward have black girl watched that from awkward see them. i know her from awkward black girls but i bet you there's people who knew her before awkward black girls so because she's someone exactly. i look up to when i look at where she is now i look at all the way from where she's come from i'm like oh so this is how long it's taken her even though i've only known her this much so i feel like also doing that don't don't just look at the tip of the iceberg you never you never know what's all the way at the bottom there what the work that's been yeah putting. just dig a bit mm. deeper Hey y'all, my name is Joseph N.T., host of the People's Favorite Podcast. Yes, that is Sincerely Accra, brought to you by the Gold Coast Report, hey, and produced by Mr. Asante. Listen, catch all new episodes every two weeks as I bring you unfiltered opinions on the wild and messy lives of Accra's residents. I'm telling you, when I say wild and messy, it is not an understatement. It's wild and messy. <laughs> Listen, the podcast is set against a backdrop of carefully curated music and sound bites put together by the producer extraordinaire, Mr. Asante. Listen, the Sincerely Crowd podcast is available on all podcast platforms and GCR's website at listen to gcr.com. That is listen to gcr.com. Now listen, make sure you're checking for us because it's always a vibe on Sincerely Accra. Macramo. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming Honestly, on, Abu. Thank you so much for having me. And this is the most clearest podcast I've been on in terms of sound. <laughs> I hope it, it, it plays out like that as well. I hope it plays yeah. out too. Before we let you go, can we please get your socials? And if there's any websites that people can find your work, please share that okay, as well. Okay, so my website is simple. It's just my last name, yela.co.uk. So that's Y-I-L-L-A-H.co.uk. And I am Abu B Yila on all social media. So that's A B U B Y I L L A H on all social medias. And 
perfect. But not perfect. Bebo. I am not on Bebo, so I'm not sure if that's. Is Bebo still around? I don't even think so. But <laughs> I saw that they were coming back. I think I saw a tweet that wow. Bebo is making a comeback <laughs> after 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nostalgia is big, so I guess you're trying to cash in. <laughs> true, 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 true. Yeah. One other last question. Is there any black market sites where we can buy the big flex? Because I know it's sold out. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have you a link, what, if you have a plug. <laughs> do you know what, yeah? I have been thinking about this because obviously we're Africans in it. So we know people that go to China. And I'm like, can <laughs> I just this? send them like a copy of my shoe? And then just, but you know what? In short, I don't know, but. In 2023, come to PZ in Sierra Leone. Uh, you, might see some, you might see some hanging around. You might see some hanging around. I know. Oh, but thank you so much for having me, man. Oh, don't mention it. Don't mention it. Um, uh, yeah, listeners, we are definitely going to share the links in the episode notes. So, yeah, you definitely find them. And also, Abu, please don't be a stranger. Anytime you have any new projects, definitely hit us up and we will definitely share with people as well so we can also follow your journey. You and all of that thank you so much if you've enjoyed the episode do share with a friend and another and another use the hashtag gcr bad energy across twitter and instagram to share your bad energy experiences we'll be on the lookout for them follow us on twitter at gold coast report all one word and on ig the gold coast report it's been cyril with abuela we out thank you this has been a gold coast report production Catch up on episodes and discover more shows from our network on listen to gcr.com. Let's talk about the big flex. How did you hear about the night campaign? It's it's a madness, that one. So <laughs> last year when I came back from Sierra Leone around April, March, that was like during lockdown one. Okay. And during that time, obviously, no one was working. And I think that was when Nike just put out an advert on their Instagram that, that they're looking for people to come up with stories for shoes. Okay. So the Big Flex itself, it was more about the story than the shoe itself. Okay. So I feel like over a thousand people entered and Nike chose the most, you know, standout stories. And what I realized with the 20 people they chose, we all have so many different identity stories. And I think, yeah. Okay. So it was just about applying for it through the Nike advert. And I think they do it every year. Okay, okay. This was your first time applying, right? Yep. And honestly, even when I was applying, I was just doing it just because. In <laughs> fact, it was even a friend of mine that, you know, that told me to apply. Because to me, I was like, what does, you know, filmmaking or Sierra Leone, those are my two passion. What can those do with Nike? And then she's like, just make sure you apply because they're looking for, a story as opposed to the actual shoe oh that's pretty dope so this was just like you know you threw your hat in the ring and then you kept on going through the process mm-hmm. and i did not even believe it was real until i got my shoe until i actually held it in my hand. <laughs> i was thinking I, nah. I can't believe that yeah because I, I was that. like no nah, this this is too good to be true i was thinking this is just one big prank they'll make you do all these steps and then yeah. at the end be like ah psych But then when I got the show, I was like, wow, this is actually real. That's insane. That's insane. I'm personally not a fan of Air Maxes, but Mm. (laughs) your design, no, no, your design was clean because I do like green. Mm. So the mint color, it wasn't too much. It wasn't too busy. I was Mm. like, okay, I could could see myself rocking this. Literally, I was just trying to replicate the Sierra Leone flag because like my story was basically about having something that make you visibly Sierra Leone, especially 
in the diaspora, Sierra Leone is a small community, so we don't really get to know each other like that. Yeah, yeah. So, but the the way people usually recognize each other is through item of clothing. And I had this um chain that I got from Sierra Leone, which just had mm-hmm. the map of Africa and then green, white, and blue. Okay. Whenever I wear that and I'm out, whenever another African Sierra Leonean see it, they'll just be like, "Oh, Kushe," you know, and that means hello. So just like. Yeah. Okay, you establish the identity. So the shoe does the same thing, but... Pretty much, yeah. When people show you who they are, why don't you believe them? Why must you be shown 29 times before you can see who they really are? Why can't you get it the first time? 